you are listening to By the Book. Because if you don't look at the world through the Bible, you will never see it right. Welcome to By the Book. This is Alan Griffith, your host for episode 25. I'm glad you're with us. Now, today we're going to get into some heavy things in Scripture. I hope you're in a place where you can actually open your Bible and look at some of these things. But if not, I hope you'll go back at a later point, open the Scriptures, just compare the things we're saying to the Word of God as you see it, because these are things that we need to understand. Uh, I hope you will come to understand and appreciate, because we're looking at a lot of history but history is going to yield to prophecy. And we're ultimately talking about the last days. We're talking about the rapture and things that are going to happen. But as we've said, you have to understand history in order to understand prophecy. So that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we're taking the time to do it and work through these uh, wonderful truths from the Bible. Last time, we followed Israel's history from Saul, who was the first king of Israel, to Rehoboam. Now, Rehoboam was David's grandson. David was the second king. Rehoboam was David's grandson. He was Solomon's son. So the order of kings went Saul, then David, then Solomon, and then Rehoboam. Now, God had told Solomon that he would punish him for his idolatry by taking the kingdom from him. But the judgment would fall on his son, and that for the sake of David, not all the kingdom would be lost. And we talked about that last time. So Rehoboam retained the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. Jeroboam was the rebel who was the instrument in God's hands to bring the judgment. Jeroboam was a rebel from the tribe of Ephraim. He led 10 tribes to establish the northern kingdom in Israel. That kingdom was defeated by the Assyrians, never to be reestablished. So let's talk about what happened in Judah, the southern kingdom. After Rehoboam, there were 19 more kings of Judah. We had talked about the 19 kings over some 250 years that were in the northern kingdom. Now we're talking about the southern kingdom. After Rehoboam, there were 19 more kings of Judah. They were not all good kings. Every one of the northern tribe were, were bad kings. Some of the southern tribes were bad kings. So they were not all good kings, but this is important. Every one of the kings of the southern kingdom, Judah, was in the family line of David. That is so critical to what we've seen in Scripture. Jacob had prophesied there would be kings in the nation of Israel. They would come out of the tribe of Judah. And then it was narrowed down to the family line of David. So not all of the kings of Judah were good kings, but every single one of them was from the family line of David. The last one was Zedekiah. Judah continued 
as an independent kingdom until it was totally conquered in 586 BC, Zedekiah being the last king. When this attack came, the siege came from Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, the, the king of Babylon, they came and conquered Judah. Uh, what happened? Well, the temple was destroyed. Jerusalem, which David had made the capital city, was destroyed. Many leaders and others were deported from Judah to Babylon, and there they were held captive. At that point, Judah was no longer obviously an independent kingdom. Uh, rather, it simply became a, a province, really, of the kingdom of Babylon. Now, the Lord allowed it because of the sin and rebellion of the people. And uh, Solomon paid his price through Rehoboam. The whole nation paid a price because of sin. Now, it's very important to remember, however, that the prophet Jeremiah spoke and had actually prophesied that this captivity would come. And he also prophesied that the captivity in Babylon would last for 70 years. Now, we find that prophecy in Jeremiah 25, 1 to 12. You might want to turn and read it. So, we've come to a point in history, about 586 BC, when the northern kingdom called Israel had been conquered, would never be reestablished, the southern kingdom called Judah had just been conquered and entered into the fulfillment of a prophecy which called for a captivity of 70 years. See where we are in history? Very important. Now, Babylon conquers Judah. Captives are taken. Among the captives, taken from Judah to Babylon, as you may know, was a young boy, about 15 years old, named Daniel. His story, his prophecies are extremely important. He prophesied that the Babylonian empire, in which he then lived as a captive, would be followed by the Medo-Persian empire. That would be followed by the Greek empire. That would be followed by the Roman Empire, which would be followed by the kingdom of God. Now, that's going to take some explanation, and we'll get into that in uh, the sessions ahead. But you can find these teachings in uh, Daniel chapters 2 and 7, and very significant prophecies. Now, there's other prophecy that Daniel gave, and the prophecy we want to focus on at this point is found in the ninth chapter of Daniel. And again, if you have your Bible open, uh, I'd like you to turn there so you can see some of these things. If not, please get back to it at a later time. So when we get to Daniel 9, Daniel is no longer a boy. It is about 538 BC. Remember, he was a boy when along with many others, he was taken captive to Babylon. That was 586 BC. But now Daniel is a man. He's about 63 years old. He's still in Babylon, never left Babylon. In Daniel 9-2, we are told that he read this prophecy of Jeremiah about the captivity lasting for only 70 years. 
So here he is. He's been there for a number of years. He's 63 years old. He reads this prophecy, and he's moved to seek the Lord. He wants to find out what would happen next to the nation and the people and Jerusalem after the seven-year captivity was finished. So Daniel prays. He confesses his sin. He confesses the sin of the nation, and God responded. And God sent the angel Gabriel to give Daniel an incredible prophecy. The prophecy is found in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. You should read those verses, but we're going to summarize their message. I wish we had time to go into all the detail, but this series will go on forever if we deal in detail with every passage of Scripture that we come to. But I want to summarize the message of those verses. Again, Daniel 9, 24 to 27. The prophecy starts with Gabriel telling Daniel that 70 weeks were determined upon Daniel's people and the holy city of Jerusalem. Now, we need to point out that the term translated weeks in our King James Version comes from the Hebrew term Shabuah, which at its root means seven. Now, just think about that for a moment. The term weeks means seven. So Gabriel told Daniel that after the 70 years of the present captivity that they were experiencing, there would be 70 sevens of years, or a total of 490 years. Now, technically, the seven, by the way, could be days, weeks, months, years, whatever, because the term simply means seven. Shabuah at its root means seven. Now, history bears out that the sevens, or these weeks, were clearly weeks of years. So again, we're talking about 490 years. Gabriel told Daniel that after the 70 years of captivity in Babylon, there would be a period of 70 weeks of years, or 490 years, that were planned by God for the people of Israel and for the city of Jerusalem. Don't miss that emphasis, because that's what we're talking about, and that's going to be very, very significant as we go on and talk about those years and the fulfillment of the prophecy. Now, among other things mentioned, Gabriel told Daniel that at the end of those 490 years, so when the prophecy was completely over, God would bring in everlasting righteousness. Now, that's just one of a number of things that are mentioned in verse 24. But I want to mention that because that, that's something that we can easily relate to. That's something that we can get hold of, this idea that when the 490 years are over, God will bring in everlasting righteousness. Now, Daniel received that prophecy, as we noted earlier, when he was about 63 years old, in 538 BC. But this is important. The fulfillment of the prophecy of 490 years 
did not begin immediately, and it would not immediately follow those current 70 years of captivity. Now, that's important. Sometimes in prophecy, uh, there are gaps, and, and we see some here, and we're going to talk about them, but important that we would understand that. Daniel received the prophecy, 538 B.C. Fulfillment did not begin immediately. He was in the midst of this 70 years of captivity, but the 490-year prophecy was also not going to be filled, fulfilled excuse me, immediately following those 70 years of captivity. Thankfully, <clears throat> Gabriel gave us very specific information about when the 490 years would start. Have your Bible open. Look at Daniel 9, <clears throat> verse 25. Gabriel said, and I'm going to read part of this to you. Gabriel said, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. Now just stop there. Because that's the key event. That is when the 490 years would begin. The statement identifies when the fulfillment would start. Now, we have to answer the question when was the commandment given to restore and build Jerusalem? So this city had been destroyed. God said there would, there would come a time when there would be an actual commandment given to go and rebuild that city. Babylon had destroyed it, but the commandment that we were looking for is in the scriptures. That commandment is recorded for us in Nehemiah chapter 2, when Nehemiah asked the Persian king Artaxerxes. Now, so remember, when, when Babylon is conquered and folds, the Medo-Persians take over. So now we're dealing with a Persian king. Nehemiah goes to the Persian king. He was the cupbearer, a pretty important role. He's the guy that, that uh, tasted the beverage to make sure there was no poison in it for the king. So if, if Nehemiah drank it and fell over, the king would know not to drink it. Uh, that's how things were in those days. But Nehemiah comes, and he's, he's very sad in front of the king. And the king asks him what's wrong, and Nehemiah basically says, well, I'm, I'm sad because of the report I have about uh, our wonderful city of Jerusalem. It's been destroyed. And the Persian king says, well, what, what are you asking for? And Nehemiah asks for permission to go back to Jerusalem and build the city. And what's wonderful for us is that the date of this happening, the date of this commandment is given in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 1 as this. It says, in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king. Now, Listing the month, by the way, without the day. It didn't say in the month Nisan, the second day, the fifth day. It just says in the month Nisan. Well, the way that is written and understood is that it would refer then to the 
first day of that month. Now, if we take that date of Artaxerxes, 20th year, month Nisan, and we go back and we try to harmonize the calendars, our calendar is different than the calendars of those days and so on. But if we harmonize those calendars, it would mean that the day Artaxerxes gave the commandment to go and rebuild the city by our calendar would be March the 14th, 445 BC. Now, you might want to mark that down. That's the day the 490-year prophecy would begin to be fulfilled according to our calendar. Now, in verse 25 of Daniel 9, Gabriel then began to break the 70-week prophecy into parts. He said Jerusalem, the city, would be rebuilt in seven weeks. How long is a week? Seven years. So he said Jerusalem would be rebuilt in seven weeks. That would be 49 years. Then he said after the next 62 weeks, which would be 434 more years, listen to this, Messiah, the prince, would come. That's critical. That's unbelievable. Here Daniel is receiving this prophecy, and he is being told in advance the very day the promised Messiah would come. Now, by our calendar, that added 434 years would end on April the 6th, 32 AD. Now, that was not the date of the Messiah's birth. It was the date he, obviously our Lord Jesus Christ, would officially declare himself to be Messiah the Prince. That date would harmonize with the day the Lord Jesus rode into Jerusalem and all the people gathered and cried, Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now, as you know, in most churches today, that date is celebrated on what is called Palm Sunday. That event would end a total of 483 years of the 490-year prophecy that Gabriel gave to Daniel. Now, in verse 26, and our time is running short, In verse 26 of Daniel 9, with no mention of the last seven years of the prophecy, no mention of the last week, Gabriel said that after the total of 483 years, 69 of those weeks of years, two major events would take place. The first was the cutting off or the death of the Messiah. And we know our Lord Jesus was crucified within a few days of publicly presenting himself as the Messiah. And the second event Gabriel mentioned was the destruction of the city of Jerusalem and the sanctuary, which was rebuilt. And that event occurred A.D. 70, 38 years after Christ was crucified. And we have to stop right there. I hope you'll join us for our next episode because this 
is incredible stuff that we're talking about. Lord bless you till next time.